0: This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's
1: your host, tech girl, Miriam Jouar.
0: Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joir. And today is Thursday, October 21st, 2021. It is Apple and Google Pixel and MacBook week. I've got my good old friend, Richard Lawler here. Hi, Richard. How are you?
1: Hey, I'm doing great. Very good to be with, be here with you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're at The Verge now, folks, if you don't know. And uh, you work with me at Engadget. You were there for many years. So I've made it on a point that all the links in the show today are mostly from The Verge and from Engadget because, you know, we got to like, we're the, both of us are alumni. So we kind of have to represent, yes.
1: right? Yes, I'll I'll always have love love for the
0: hometown. (laughs) 100%. So basically, uh, I want to talk about the MacBook Pros and about the Pixel 6s. And mostly, I don't have them yet, so I'm waiting for my Pixel 6 review units, folks. I kind of got the short end of the deal a little bit with Google. I used to be on the Team Pixel thing where they sent you the phones, but then they took me off because I got on the PR list. But then I'm on the second wave this time, so I'm kind of like having to wait. So... Trust me, it's it's no fun, but it's coming. And I think next week's show, I will have had the phones. In the meantime, I have lots of thoughts. And I'm sure, Richard, you do too. Yes. And then the MacBooks. I mean, we probably both have a lot of thoughts. I know you're not a huge Mac user, whereas I am. But at the same time, you've been writing news, like, I don't know, billions of articles by now in the last 15 years or something. So you probably have formed a good... Kind of like opinion on this stuff, right?
1: Oh, certainly. I, I, and you know, I, I've I've touched I've touched the Macs, not these new ones. I, although I'm I am interested, I'm really interested to see how, how these uh, MacBook Pros are received.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting. I think the biggest thing right now that kind of sticks out for me. Let's start with the, kind of the elephant in the room, and that's the notch, right? Yeah. I mean, they have a notch, but they don't have Face ID. Like, what?
1: And and I think that's that's the thing. I, I don't have a problem with the notch. Um i have an x p s thirteen uh as my kind of daily driver laptop so i, I love the the initiative to go bezel this to make the screen bigger to to get us more more space up front you know we we don't need we don't need all that space left over just for the for the webcam but so you 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 put in the notch it was a good idea uh, as my colleague heim Gardenberg had had written about and and wrote about again this week it was ideal you 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 brought in face recognition as as a login. Windows is now ahead of you. I use face- facial recognition to log into Windows Hello right now, but you can't do that on a MacBook Pro, even though they, they kind of led the way with Face ID on mobile. W- what's going on there?
0: Yeah, I think they could have done in such a way where it would log you in automatically, like with Windows Hello. And then, you know, for confirming payments and stuff, you don't want it to be automatic. You want to be able to press a button somewhere, like maybe the face, the touch ID button that's still there. Maybe could have been used as a confirm when, you know, like on an iPhone, when you want to confirm a payment, you, you, you double tap the power button, right? So that, I'm thinking... There's some stuff they could have done. It's crazy to me that there's this big notch there. It's it's also really big. It reminds me of the bathtub notch on the Pixel 3XL, right? It doesn't have the shape of an iPhone notch, right?
1: It it does. And you know, I don't I don't think it's too bad. I think people I think you'll get used to it. Of course. Um as far as kind of kind of where it's located. But I, I you 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 really nailed it right on, on the head from the beginning. Not having face ID. It's 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 what it's what makes having the notch worth it.
0: So I can only think of one thing happening here. I'm thinking that this is a forward-looking thing. I think that they're trying to get Face ID. Like, technically, they could do it, but I think they want a better, more sophisticated version of Face ID they might be working on to go in that place at some point in the future. But at the same time, they don't want another change you know and also there's a commonality of, of look with the iPhones I think that you know I could see that having a lot to do with it and it's built into the menu bar essentially so if you black out your menu bar you will not see that notch like and and I probably will end up doing that right now on my Mac my menu bar is actually gray dark gray so I can just notch it down to black and I'll be it'll be gone so I, I, I can see that but I just feel it's a bit weird. Like it could have been a punch hole or, you know, and and you know a lot of people, well, there's an LED and there's some other sensors. Come on. If Dell and all these other manufacturers have been making webcams in the frame of ultra thin framed laptops for the last two, three years with the light sensor, with the color sensor, I'm sure they have. Like even without the camera, you could have done something about only have a punch hole with the camera in there. And then, you know, the LED light could be virtual, like it is on Android, right? Like where it's Precisely. on some f- iPhones as well, where it, like there's a little green dot next to the pole punch and you know what's what's up. I don't think that would have been a problem. So this is, I don't want to spend too much time on this notch, but if really for me, this is the only thing that kind of had me kind of scratching my head.
1: And, 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 that, and that's the thing, is that it's the
0: only thing. They seem to have fixed practically everything else. And you know what I love about it, Richard? I think one of the things that a lot of people haven't written about yet is it reminds me of the titanium power books because they had the rounded bottom. You know, like If you look at the profile, if you look on the side, you close the lid and you look on the side, the lid is rectangular, right? It has a flat top, flat edges, slab edges, and then the, the laptop itself has slab edges that round off at the bottom, right? If you look at a titanium power book from 2001, that's exactly what they looked like. And it was so dope back then. And I think it's still so dope today. I'm actually surprised at how thick these laptops are for Apple. Have you noticed that?
1: Yeah, they, they are. The, the, the thick laptop is back um, between that and uh, the, the Surface Book Studio. Yeah,
0: oh, the two tier.
1: After, after yeah. we have spent all of these years going thin, thin, thin and light, thin and light, thin and light. And that's the only thing that we think about all the time suddenly we're back to thick laptops. And I think everybody loves it because they're still not going to be that heavy. They're going to be a bit heavier than they were before. But what you get in return, the trade-off, makes it worth it.
0: Yeah, I think the, the reality is, you know, we have the MacBook Air for that. If you want a thin laptop, that's going to be the non-Pro line, right? And also, we're not talking about much of, much of an, like, it's not terrible or anything. It's just interesting because yeah. when you see the ports is when you realize, wow, like, you know, the old MacBook Pros, like, They barely, like, the USB Type-C was taking a third of the height of the sides of it, and now it's taking, like, a quarter of the height or something. And, of course, that HDMI... And, honestly, i got to say, I I know a lot of people are really happy, but I don't understand the HDMI. Like, I really do not understand the HDMI. And I think the reason for that is because... There are many good dongles that do USB-C, Thunderbolt even, to HDMI. That's a non-issue. How often do you plug your laptop into a TV or projector? Like, If you're a business, I think that would make more sense on a MacBook Air, which is more of a business laptop. Like, I don't understand. I totally get the SD card, 100% on board, but I am completely scratching my head about HDMI. So folks, if you're listening right now, tweet at me and Richard and let me know You know, when the podcast gets published, let me know what your thoughts are on this HDMI. That makes no sense to me. Do you have any thoughts on this, Richard?
1: It's one of those things where I'm not sure if they needed to do it, but I I, I think I can see why they would make that choice, especially once you bring back the card reader. Because now that you've got the card reader back, you have, again, a laptop that people can use without having a dock.
0: Right. Yeah, because Wi-Fi is good enough. You don't need Ethernet anymore. That's definitely for sure. But yeah, if you want to plug something in, a display or something, yeah, I see it. And and,
1: and it, was, it was kind of that, I think when you get to it, it's kind of that package deal of the card reader and HDMI. Like if you've got both, then you're covered. You never need a dock ever really, unless you need like way more USB ports.
0: You make a good point. It's just weird to me. It's very anachronistic to me. Like I've actually thought to myself, like in my mind, HDMI is passé. Like I know it's you cover TVs and entertainment. Mostly, at least you used to in gadget, and I know HDMI is super relevant still. Obviously, in a home theater or at home in a home setup, for sure. I'm I'm not saying that, but I think for a computer, to me in my head, it's always been like we're you know Display Port or USB Type C, or rather Thunderbolt as an interface. Of course, there's not that many monitors with these technologies, so I guess that's why they have HDMI.
1: Yeah, I think that that makes it fit in. It's not it's not necessarily the ideal approach. Like, like you said, you, you having an HDMI port on a laptop, I think is one of those things that you kind of spread across all the laptops, even for people who have dual monitor setups and stuff like that. Yeah. You're not going to be using it that much. No. Uh, in, in all time. And, and the, in the times when you need it, a hub does you just fine uh, on a, a laptop like that. We've all gotten used to that on the thin laptops that are already out, but for them, they, they they brought back MagSafe, you know? <laughs> I mean, that
0: actually was a good move. That, that I think, I, I missed that on my MacBook Air. And on my previous, before that, I had a MacBook 12 inches for a long time, the little baby one. So I do miss it. And I'm glad it's back because honestly, the way they did it is brilliant. It is essentially a cable now. It's no longer attached to the charger. And it's a, it's a fabric cable. So hopefully none of these fraying issues are that cheap, weird... You know, I know they were trying to be environmental with their plastics. They're using bromide free and all that. But those, sh- you know, I don't know, cable plastic, you know, covers they had were always fraying and falling apart.
1: I had my work laptop from Engadget for several years and it was a, it was a MacBook and it would sit on my desk. I would use it maybe once or twice a week. Right. And th- those those cables would fray like in less than a year. And I'm like, it's just sitting there. It doesn't move nothing touches it. No, I
0: think it was getting damaged by UV light. I think it was it was definitely like degrading over time. Like the even your finger grease would damage it over time. It was I don't know what it was made of like biodegradable something. And I get it, but this is fabric. Hopefully it will last. And it's nice because it's USB type C at the other end. Now, the big question, I have a bunch of questions. Let's let's actually talk about that. Because you're you're an Android user, you're in USB-C land like I am, right? I've been in USB C land forever. And I'm very much loving it. There's a lot of people complaining about cable compatibility. But you know what? You learn your stuff. It's like, you know that your laptop needs 65 watts. You grab a PD charger that's more than 65 watt. It's pretty straightforward. It all says on the box. It really does work itself out. It does work itself out. And, you you know, in terms of cables, I always make sure I have some, you know, 100-watt compatible PD cables floating around so that I can charge anything. And, and it, it was a small investment. You can get those from, like, Amazon Basics, for, and, they, and they work just fine. So the point I'm making here is you can charge your laptops using the USB Type-C connection, which is also Thunderbolt 4 and USB 4 now. And that's that works. But if you want, you can use the MagSafe, which I think is way better. And the nice thing is that MacSafe is USB-C on the other end. It's just a cable. Now, the question I have for you, and I don't know, I've never, I haven't read anything about this yet, is can you plug that MacSafe USB Type-C end into a 100-watt PD charger from another company, and will it work with a MacSafe at 100-watt?
1: It is my belief that that is the case, that it will work, that it's just using the new spec in um, any charger that is powerful enough.
0: But using the MagSafe connector, because I know it'll work fine. Using the
1: the MagSafe connector.
0: Okay, cool. And so I know it limits to 100 watts over USB Type-C in terms of plugging in to charge via USB Type-C, and that's fair, because they have a 140-watt charger on the higher end, on the Max-equipped MacBook Pros, you know, M1 Max chip. So I'm thinking that, you know, it'll be interesting to see that was my big quick question. Is like if I have a bunch of chargers lying around, you know, and then the other thing is I wanna see if they'll do is a MaxSafe two to MaxSafe 3 adapter. Do you remember the MaxSafe 1 to Max 2 adapter back in the yes, day?
1: Yes, yes, I do remember that. That would be that would be great for the for the older ones.
0: I mean, even if it's not an adapter and but an actual cable because they might need some electronics in there, I am on board. Like I have a whole bunch of these old ones.
1: It would fix everything for the old laptops. It would it would completely just make them hey, you can, you can plug it into whatever charger.
0: That would be amazing. So Apple, if you're listening, <laughs> very slim chance. But if you are, uh, hook us up. I think, look, um, this whole MagSafe thing has me excited about what they're going to do with the next MacBook Air. And, you know, the the connector
1: itself was something I always loved. Like it, me it, too. the quick release nature of it. I'm sorry, I'm a clumsy person. I have cables strewn everywhere. Sometimes you yank the wrong one and your laptop goes flying off the table. But it doesn't with MagSafe.
0: I know, it just worked. It was so good. So I'm looking forward to the new MacBook Airs, so the revised chassis that they're working on, because if that gains the USB Type-C compliant MagSafe, whatever you want to call the MagSafe 3, ah, my God, I'll be so happy.
1: That that would that would be lovely. That
0: would be super dope.
1: The one thing about the the power that uh, kind of came out was that the, the power of the power brick that you get depends on the laptop that you get. Right. The 16-inch always comes with the most powerful one. The 14-inch, there are two versions. If you have the kind of higher end CPU, you get a slightly more powerful uh, power brick that is capable of fast charging the laptop. But if you buy the low end one, the one with like the least cores, I I don't remember offhand how many cores it has. You get a charger that cannot fast charge the laptop. Correct. But you can upgrade for 20 bucks when you buy it. So if you're buying the $2,000 MacBook Pro, make sure you get that $20 upgrade because uh, as my colleague uh, pointed out. There's no place in the world where you can get a a power delivery USB-C charger for 20 bucks that's that powerful.
0: 100%, do it. And uh, I think it's uh, the base model is at eight cores and I think the IRN ones are 10 cores. But this is off the top of my head, so don't quote me that. Speaking of which, let's talk about (laughs) those chips. Okay, we knew that there was going to be some crazy, crazy upgrades to the M1. Everybody called the M1X. I mean, X now stands for Pro or Max. Interesting names, because, you know, I would have thought Pro and Pro Max, because, you know, the naming in the past with the phones has always been Pro and Pro Max, but this is just Pro and Max. But okay, look, these things look killer, right? Like when the benchmarks come out, I think everybody's going to lose their minds all over again. I kind of feel like it's going to be like last year all over again, especially on GPU performance.
1: And that's the thing. They really made me a believer. And I think they made everyone believers with the, the original M1. You know, they came out, they said it, they said it performs. They came out with their funny little graphs with no numbers. And we all said, okay, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. And now we saw it. (laughs) And it was amazing. And it was amazing. And I, I wish that they hadn't used the funny number graphs this time. I just want to know how much power does it really have? But I think that we'll, we'll see when it's out that yes, you can do all the things that you expect to do on a MacBook pro with tons of speed, with, Fairly efficient memory use. I wonder what the battery life is going to be like exactly, but I, I don't I don't uh, anticipate them lacking on power at all.
0: No, I think this is going to be an all day thing. I I was just in Germany last week for the first time, my first international trip. I went to visit the Porsche factory where they build the Taycan, because as you folks know, I write uh, about EVs for Tech Radar as well as my other freelance work for phones and this podcast, and I had my MacBook Air M1 on its first. Business trip on a long flight. I mean, I've flown to New York a few times with it, and I've done a few US trips since, since June, but this is my first time where I was on an airplane for 11 hours. And it, I wrote the whole time. I wrote the whole yeah. time, and I was still at 60% or 50% when I got home. It was ridiculous. And this was with Wi Fi turned off, mind you. But the way out, I had Wi-Fi turned on because I, I was connected to the Wi-Fi on the plane. And I think I got in at like 30%, which is still ridiculous after 10 hours of use, like almost completely nonstop. It, it
1: is unbelievable.
0: Now, the brightness was pretty low because, you know, when you're on an airplane, everything is dim. So I just turned the brightness down to like two or three bars. But I was just blown away especially since I was using Microsoft Word. I don't normally, I use Google Docs, but, you know, airplane internet, even satellite airplane internet, you can barely load Google Docs. So I would planned ahead and copied my Google Doc over to a Word. Uh, and and I got a license for Microsoft Word a while back when I got the M1 MacBook uh, so I could get the the new binary because I was running like a, totally antiquated version and I don't run uh Microsoft office for my business at all, but so much of the clients I work with and people that work with have Microsoft office that I got a really good deal on a license. So I was like, just let's get a license. And as you all know, it's not the most efficient at, you know, even just idling away, Microsoft word somehow likes to eat CPU cycles. <laughs> um, and so I was kind of blown away. Like the battery life on this thing has always been good since I got it a year ago. But it just blew me away on this flight. Like I, I couldn't believe I walked out of the flight, and I could have flown right back, Richard, and worked the whole way back without plugging in. Yeah,
1: and and that's kind of that's kind of the the surprise that I got. The way that it that it sips battery when you're running, not just you know they of course their benchmarks they're they're saying oh when you use Safari you get X number of hours, but look we use Chrome, we use yeah. Microsoft Word sometimes, we use non Apple products that really hit the battery. And the battery life on the M1 is still incredible. And that's really why I'm so interested to see it on on these more powerful chips, to see if it can do that, to see if it can uh, maintain. They've, they've got tons of memory. You're not going to worry about it. But I was surprised when I used a uh, MacBook Air with eight gigs of RAM and it
0: still runs fine. Yeah. So that's what I have. I have I only updated the storage on mine because I've had a 512 gig SSD on my Mac since, oh, I don't know, since... For five years now, so I, I can't downgrade. You know, like you expand to take up the storage you have, right? Yes. Um, now, to be fair, I think I'm ha- I'm less than half full on my Mac because it's my portable. It's not the machine I use every day. My my iMac I'm using right now to record this podcast is my my big daily beast. Which, by the way, my M1 runs leaps and circles around. It's unbelievable how slow my Core i5 iMac from it's a 27 inch from from like three years ago with an SSD and everything just feels dog slow with 16 gigs. It's it's not the same. Yeah. So I can't imagine what these new M1 Pro and M1 Max chips are going to bring to the table. It's going to be insane, dude.
1: The, the, just what they've described from the specs. Um, and and it's from what we've already seen. We, uh, I I have no doubts. I, I just, I just am, am so excited to see it to see it and see what people can do with it.
0: I just can't wait, and maybe I shouldn't just hype it in my head like that, but I can't wait to see the people like the PC people losing their minds. Like, look, I, I no offense. I have a bunch of Windows boxes. I use Linux too. I am not against Intel or anything, but they've they've dropped the ball. Like yep. I, I I think AMD's eaten their lunch and I think Apple's been eating their lunch. And and I feel like those of you out there who are like yeah but you know and I'm like I don't think I'd honestly I don't think I'd want to buy an Intel machine right now like maybe an AMD gaming laptop but I don't think I'd want to buy an Intel machine like and and that's that's really
1: what it's is so striking that that you that you notice is that as, as just as you said not it's not just Apple it's amd2 they, they have almost the same power and so much better efficiency yeah like like my Xps I've, I've reached the point where I've got Pretty much all day battery life. It's good, but it's not it's not powerful enough. Like I I'm still making compromises. Right. And it feels like with these latest Apple chips that you're not making compromises.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not making compromises with the, you know, M1 that I have. Now, I have the eight gigabytes RAM version, but because I bought the five twelve gigs of storage, I got the better chip, right? I got the full the full chip with all the GPUs. So but honestly, it's almost overkill for what I do, which is like a bunch of basic 4K video editing, most of the time 1080p video editing in Final Cut for like my, my, my YouTube channel and this editing this podcast, which... I can do on anything, honestly. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's 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 running literally. It's running so fast. I I feel like it's a whole like I feel like I've gone ten years in the future in, versus my my iMac, which is only three years old. And and my, even editing audio on my iMac when I do like a noise reduction pass on an hour long podcast, it takes a minute. Right on the freaking M1, it takes twenty seconds for the same, and it's emulated. It's not running native. That's the thing that's killing me, Richard. It's like, yep. I don't want to stop using my M1 because it's so fast. It's so rewarding.
1: And, and, and I, I, I have to admit, I, I was highly skeptical when they announced it, that M- oh, animation yeah. would work out so well, would work out that it wouldn't kill the battery life, that apps and programs would run just as well on these new computers as they did. And I had I, when, I, when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And, and they, <laughs> they work just fine.
0: I mean, I ha- I was skeptical and so far that I didn't want to hype myself and feel let down. In a way, I'm kind of doing that right now. The, the, but I'm not buying a MacBook Pro at this point. I, I don't need a MacBook Pro. I would love it. Trust me, the Vortex <laughs> is trying to suck me in real hard, but I can't justify it. I'd much rather save my money and update to a brand new MacBook Air when it comes out with a new design, because that'll make more sense for my needs and the biggest thing i want to spend money on if they can swing it i want a replacement imac a big screen imac from apple if they can come out with an m1 pro imac uh with a 30 inch display yeah i don't know that's what i really need right now so i can i don't it just can't justify spending 2k so i'm not going to own it but when i see the benchmarks it'll be interesting because i really want to see how it pans out i really want to see how surprised the x86 crowd
1: is it uh, you know that that's where i am i I have i'm sitting here on my pc desktop i have have, as i said my pc laptop's all over feeling a little bit feeling the jealousy a little bit i i microsoft microsoft hasn't done enough you know intel has their own feelings and i feel like microsoft hasn't done enough on arm or whatever they have to do yeah when it comes to support for amd to to really really press and one of the things like not 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 to make this dem- the Microsoft bag on Microsoft hour. But one of the things I was just discussing about the new Surface laptops that are coming out is I feel like every single time they release a Surface device, they're dri- they use their own drivers and they work worse than other uh, manufacturers' drivers. Right, which seems like the most confusing thing because they make the operating system, they're designing the hardware, and they're writing the driver, and they can't get it right.
0: Yeah, Microsoft is puzzling me. I I want to love them. I love the Surface products I, from a like design and hardware perspective. But I'm always a little you know like Windows on ARM, right? So promising, yet so behind now. And uh, you know, I want to I want to love Windows 11, but at the same time, I'm like when I have the kind of hardware I have right now, like I'm not married to macOS. Like I'm okay. I use it. I love it, but like for me it's more like it's that hardware, it's that performance I want. It doesn't really matter what OS I'm running, it's fine. So, until we can buy a laptop for that price 999 in the case of the MacBook Air for, you know, uh, a Windows one, Windows 11 that runs that fast with that battery life, I won't be satisfied. And right now I don't think there is anything in that category. I don't I'm I could be wrong cuz you might know better, but I have a feeling that for the first time in a long time at this entry level you know, Mac price point of a thousand dollars. It's very slim pickings to get a windows 11 laptop that performs that well.
1: It really is. And, and and that's, that's the thing is that that you, you have to kind of make those choices. And if you're, if you're doing professional creative work, suddenly you're, you're faced with, okay, so do I buy this kind of big, heavy laptop that doesn't get great battery life? Or do I buy something lighter that doesn't necessarily do what I need it to do? Like, right. And you, you know, not, I, I don't, I wonder how well this will work with games, especially when you kind of look at a world where Valve is now coming out with the Steam Deck. So you've got even be- even more incentives for developers to think about additional platforms and and kind of uh, emulation and-, and how their games w- will interpret different types of processors. Yeah. But I don't expect it to be a massive gaming powerhouse or, or anything like that. But just the just not having to make that choice when, when it comes to my my, my work and having something that i that i can carry around w- without breaking my back and and not have to plug it in every couple of hours
0: 100% or having to plug in an eGPU when you want to do some real video editing like a lot of my friends like david kogan are doing right um because they run uh, davinci resolve so
1: and, you know and that that was the thing like you know if if you talk to your your friends who do vid- video editing they were running they were running to the pre-order button
0: <laughs> yeah of course they are and and some of them i might even see some of them who are currently using um, Premiere and Resolve and switching. All of them have used all of the editing software at some point. Going back to uh, Final Cut just because they know it's going to kick. But uh, speaking of the displays are insane. We have micro LED displays with local dimming and incre- incredible resolutions, contrast ratios, and and you know black levels and like just like I I cannot even begin to imagine what this is going to look like. And that that's uh that's something that I haven't
1: spent a lot of time thinking about, but it is remarkable. And the micro LED technology in particular, I think, is going to kind of bring this to the next level. And it's something that I I hope to see PC manufacturers copy very quickly, um, and, and kind of match them. Uh, yeah. we've we've had great OLED screens on PCs, but LCD still ha- has its has still has its place, and I, and I want to see that available.
0: 100%. And 120 Hertz display, folks, variable rate too. So we're talking like the Surfaces have that too, some of them now, which is great. So the Studio and the uh, the 8 Pro, right?
1: I think the the hardware is capable of it, but I'm not sure if Windows, I think Windows 11, I, I, I was talking to Monica who does our, our reviews, I think it was supposed to be available, but it may not be available yet. Ah, i see spot. so
0: it's a software maybe the hardware does it though so it's just a yes. matter of time but again this yep. is the thing you see here we we're talking about something that you'll know these macbook pros are going to support the 120 hertz out of the box so it's going to be yep. buttery smooth the other thing that stood out for me i mean the displays are bonkers the performance is going to be bonkers let's talk about the keyboard no touch bar oh my god i am i'm on the camp no touch bar from day one so you know bear with me you might love it but I feel this is a big deal. I think this is important. I think a full function row of keys for people who are professionals, like developers. I come from I come from video game development, so for me, my function keys are gold. If you pick up my Mac right now, any of them, um, you will notice that I, by default, my function keys are are mapped to function keys. Uh, you have to press the little function button to get like the volume up, volume down. Brightness up and down. None of the hot keys that are standard in Mac are by default on my top row. I have all the function keys still working because I used to. I'm used to that so much, you know. Yeah,
1: and and it's one of those things like just just Apple admit you made a mistake with the touch bar. I I don't think that it was wrong to maybe consider rethinking the fu- function row, but physical keys are better. You the whatever advantages they gain by going to a touch bar on on the old Mac, MacBooks. It wasn't worth it. It, no. just, it just wasn't. And, and, you know, like, I don't, I don't need to dive into, oh, well, you know, maybe if the software had had done more to support it. Or, no, it just, it wasn't worth it.
0: I think, you know, it was an interesting idea, but I should have dropped it when I realized that the software support wasn't there outside of Apple, that the a lot of people had mixed bag. I actually personally thought they were going to make it as an option. You know, like you could get the edge screen to be matte for a while on some MacBooks. Like to me, that would have made more sense, especially for the pro models, but they never did, and now they're just like basically it's funny because in some ways they're antagonizing some of the pro users who made the effort to get familiar with the touch bar and who might have a workflow with it now by not even making it optional. It's very, very strange, right
1: It is a curious decision to stick with it for so long like and and it just it w- it was evident from the beginning like this is this isn't it.
0: So before we jump into the pixels, verdict on you, what would you give out of 10? Having not touched it, like me, I haven't touched it. Like, what was your gut feeling? What, what is this worth it for you? The whole line, because, I mean, we can't be specific. Not having touched it, I,
1: I'd, I'd give it a 9, a nine out of 10, which is, which is almost as high as I would go for something that I haven't touched, simply because when you go down the list of things that people wanted, they hit them.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, and I'm, I was going to say 8 just because... It's hard for me to imagine even a nine, but you're right. Nine I might go that high. For me it's just you know little there's still a few little things like the notch and you know It's not perfect and I and I, I'm
1: actively interested in seeing what they fix in the next year's version. Do you, do uh, you yeah. get face ID? Do you you know, do you tweak yeah. this and that? But it's good. It's good. It's I, you great. know, I don't, I don't think that if you pick up one of these, you'll be suddenly regretting it. No. But we'll you know, we'll see once the reviews come
0: out. For sure. So stay tuned for that. I'm pretty sure it's going to be next week, folks. Okay, Pixel Six and Six Pro. Can we have a, a happy fest here? Because I, I look, we all we've been seeing the leaks. We all knew what to expect. This we knew the specs. You knew everything. The pricing, though. Holy. Crap ball! Like, let's just cut to the chase. We've covered the specs, we've covered the design in the podcast a lot. So let's start with that, and then we can talk about what we really like. But the yep. pricing has me really blown away, especially at the basic, the base model, the six.
1: Uh, that that's the one that I ordered. Uh, the the uh, Pixel Six uh, Seafoam Green, and I, I looked at it and I was like, oh man, they, they have they are really attacking the mid range, and it, it kind of takes the the wind out of sales of some someone like OnePlus. Uh, that is kind of living oh in that, yeah i mean in that area it makes Motorola look really bad
0: oh my gosh i was just gonna say i just reviewed the moto Edge 2021 on geekspin.co the review was uh went up shortly after the podcast last week and i slammed it because it's such a disappointment and you know, I had a little conversation with the folks at Moto, like, you know, off the record, like directly with the people in the product team on, um, on my messaging like this week. And I said, you know, I want you to understand why I'm standing with my review because I don't want you to be upset, but like, look at what happened with a pixel, aluminum and glass. Okay. OIS on the main camera, wireless charging. Okay. Sure. It doesn't have 144 Hertz. Ugh. Uh, uh. LCD display. No, instead, it has a proper AMOLED at 90 hertz, which is just fine. And I love how it's so symmetric, even though the bezels are a little big. It kind of reminds me of the iPhone 11, where everything is perfectly symmetric around the edges. And it reminds me of the HTC 8X Windows Phone from back in the day. Oh my God. Like, I posted a photo on Twitter about that. Oh my God. I love the look of the Pixel 6. It's so good, you know?
1: And and that's the thing, like like I saw it. Uh, I think uh, in one of my, my avatars I use, I have the six P in my hand. I still have my Nexus six P somewhere, and I still love that. Oh book. yeah, and and it, oh, it yeah. reminds me of that so much uh, with the bar. I was like, oh oh, this this is it. This is this is my time to get back into into Google phones.
0: I think it's everybody's time to get back in. I think this is a milestone. I hope they sell because look, the reality is, you know, I can kind of hear the folks at Mono think in the back of the head. The reason we went from the beautiful aluminum and, and glass, you know, edge screen, OLED awesomeness from last year down to like a full plastic. By the way, the 144 hertz on that phone, you have to manually select it. If you select the auto mode, which is what on by default, it scales from like, I don't know, 60 to 120 hertz dynamically, right? But it's, yeah. it tops at 120. So really they're advertising 144 hertz, but you have to set it in the settings and then you're probably going to take a battery life hit. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> and an LCD on a phone that costs $700 unlocked. Okay, it's, I know it's $550 on Verizon. But again, it's just, that's, the, that's what I told them to think about. I said, if Google can do this, in the U.S., you have no reasons not to bring us a Moto Edge that's more competitive in the U.S. because you know the Edge 20 abroad, Richard, has metal frame, aluminum, and glass. Uh, it doesn't have wireless charging, but it, it has it has an AMOLED, 144 hertz AMOLED. So it's like, what the hell?
1: And and you know uh, the the phone that I have right now, I have the original uh, Motorola Edge, which you know I, I like a lot of things about. it. I like so many things about it, but for example, they brought it out and they brought they did the weird thing with the pricing. They're like, "Oh, it's seven hundred dollars, but we're going to launch it yeah, at five hundred exactly. for a little it's the while. Same here. It's like just just sell it for five hundred or less because that's where it should be." And they 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 play these weird games with pricing. They don't get you the updates on time. And when I can pick up a Pixel at such a reasonable price, and I also I, I looked at it, and I decided to go with the Pixel Pass that they announced. Uh, we oh, haven't cool! Discussed, yeah, discussed that yet? You you can pick that up, and it's it's sort of carrier ish. But I looked at it and I, was, I thought I already pay for YouTube uh, music and you know Red and, and all that. I can just bundle it all in.
0: It makes perfect sense. I for me the only reason I'm not doing it is because I'm getting a unit, so I don't have to buy one. But if I had to buy my Pixel right now, I'd get a six Pro in the sunny shade with uh, the the pass because I already pay for YouTube Music Premium for a family plan and I paid for, I pay for a family plan, plan on uh, the Google storage or whatever the Google One.
1: Yeah, yeah, the Google Drive is, is the other part. And- so,
0: 45 or 55 for me it would be 100% worth it. And I'm also a five subscriber but not on my main account. So, I'm a Fi subscribe my business account. Because remember, for a while, you couldn't have Google Voice and Fi on the same accounts. So yeah. my Fi is actually my my tankgirl.com email address, where my my Google Voice is my gmail.com. So I wouldn't use Fi anyway because I'm a T-Mobile customer and I'm very happy there. But you know, the reality is that is that this Google Pass thing is great. I think this is a good deal, especially what you get a new phone for free next year or what. Does it does it auto upgrade? That's the
1: only thing that I didn't like. It it there they say it's two years and there's no there's nothing in there about auto upgrading uh, within a year. Okay. Now it it seems like you'll be able to get out of it, but you'll have to pay the kind of uh, the difference. Yeah, the difference on on the phone. Okay. The the prorated difference on the phone at that point. But I think that was the one thing about it that I looked at and I was like, eh, I mean, do I want to keep it? And and I, yeah. I feel like even if I want another phone, I'll probably keep it and just pass off to somebody or something like
0: that. 100%. But I wish I had done a fuel subscription. If it was 55 a month and next year when the Pixel 7 comes out, I get one. Just, just keep me on the, on the new oh phone. Oh my God. Like, I would pay more than a $55 for that. Like, honestly, I'd pay $100 a month for that. Like, yep. it's totally worth it to me. Especially if you bundle in all the YouTube and all the freaking goodness. Yeah. Like, imagine if they bundled Fi and it was a flat rate Fi as well. Like, unlimited data, flat rate Fi. Like, listen, Google, if you're hearing
1: us... It would probably raise some antitrust eyebrows. They, yeah, They, they whatever. could do it, but, but you know what? Look, I'd sign up.
0: Apple does it, in a way. Yes. I mean, short of the carrier thing, but I'm still surprised. Okay, tangent time, woo uh, I'm still kind of blown away that we don't have a virtual network operator from Apple. <sighs> it, like, an Apple that piggybacks on Timo or... AT and T or Verizon or something. How has that not happened yet?
1: I wonder if T-Mobile's acquisition of Sprint kind of made that Killed not that. happen. Yeah, but it, you know, you're, you're right because it's it's just, it's so possible. Like they even do their own payments now.
0: They, they, they have their own card. Like I went to price the MacBook pro in my card. and I'm like, they said, here, you can use the Apple card to get a uh, 0% interest for the whole time of the payment, the whole time of, you know, the whole loan basically. And I'm like, Oh my God, they're a bank. I mean, I knew this intuitively, but like I had forgotten, you know, like, and so when you like talk about antitrust, like I, I'm personally not going to make a fuss about it. I don't care. But like, I don't know. I think Google Pass is awesome. And I think if you're going to buy a Pixel and you are using all these services right now, just bundle it. It's worth it.
1: Yeah. And and, and that's that's really what it comes down to. And the, the I find the services so useful. That's why I was paying for them already. And when, when I saw what they, they were offering with the Pass, some people ask, okay, so why can't you get the Pass with Stadia? That would be the one thing that for me would be a little bit, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Like like I already, already have... I think so many of the people who the pass appeals to aren't necessarily Stadia customers. So I don't know if that, if that necessarily makes sense. Maybe it'll change in the future, but yeah, uh, that, that, that would have probably turned me off of it.
0: So I'm just really excited that I was worried when I saw the price announced that there was going to be some bad surprise. Like, oh, the frame is plastic or the back is plastic. Or, oh, we don't have wireless charging, reverse charging on this one. You know, like something like OnePlus did with the 9, where they didn't put OIS, they didn't put a metal frame, it's a plastic frame on the 9. The 9 is... The OnePlus phone that has me disgruntled this year, especially since I got a Nord 2 to play with. And the Nord 2, Richard, has OIS on the Sony IMX 766, which is the 50 megapixel sensor that I'm pretty sure is on the Pixel 6. So... No excuses, OnePlus. The OnePlus 9 is a dud. The 9 Pro is the one you want to get. But right now I'm like, forget it, forget it. If there's one phone that matters in 2021, I'm sorry, iPhone 13, you're a great phone and I love you very much. But there is no contest this year. By a landslide, the 6 and the 6 Pro are winning. And speaking of the 6 Pro, my God, that display. LTPO, 120Hz. I didn't think they would need to be Quad HD. Like, I don't need 144, you know, 1440p. Like, nobody needs that. But hey, it's there. If you want it, you can have your cake and eat it too. And then, a 4X telephoto with OIS on a 48 megapixel sensor? Are you freaking kidding me? This is a Xiaomi Mi 11, like, kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's that, it's that kind of phone that we used to never get in the US.
0: Yeah, Mi 11 Ultra has a a forty eight megapixel telephone or forty eight megapixel ultra wide it's like, wow, I cannot believe it like they they went all out, yeah, and of course, fast wireless charging, fast wire charging, and it's a pixel, folks. It will work with u s bands. It will support all the software properly. It will have and Material u is gorgeous, and I'm sorry, this is this is like. Yeah, I cannot say that you cannot no, buy it. The- if you're no, no
1: I, 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 was not disappointed one bit. And and uh, you know what you got at that? It's the the six Pro and the six. Like like when I looked at it, I I looked at the six, and I was surprised at how many features I had. I, I said, "Oh, wait, I'm getting I'm getting the correct CPU. I'm getting eight gigs of RAM. I'm I'm getting this incredible camera. I don't have the telephoto lens." for for me it says it we not... can
0: do hyper zoom <laughs> up to 7 times though, or something right i i'm i'm going to take some some very good photos with, with the lenses that it has no doubt uh, uh
1: so i i think if you if you end up with the 6 where i'm missing ultra wide band i'm probably not upgrading to an ultra wide band compatible car uh this year and next year uh and you know maybe maybe a finder, find but I, i'm happy with my bluetooth tiles uh, i'm missing MMWave wave 5g Sorry, I don't. They're not going to roll it out. Where yeah, I'm you're
0: there. not on Verizon. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yep.
1: Um, um, what what else? You know, I've got if I've got just eight gigs of RAM instead of twelve, I, th- I think I can live with it.
0: Oh, you'll be fine. And you know, by the way, as an aside, folks, it turns out there's a custom version of the Pixel Six for Verizon with Millimeter Wave that costs a hundred dollars more. It'll be interesting, Richard, to see if that has the ports and the things in the same place because when they did the One Plus Eight last year. Uh, the custom Verizon version one, the cases didn't fit. Like it it looked the same. If you just put them side by side and did a cursory look, but as soon as you measured the position of the volume rocker and the power button, it was lower. (laughs) So you couldn't use the cases and there was differences in thickness and stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how they streamline that because I think OnePlus did a really poor job at streamlining that. They should have planned ahead and just made a single chassis. I'm just thinking about manufacturing efficiencies, especially in this day of supply issue troubles, right? Like, So I'm wondering once we finally get to see the Verizon Pixel 6, if it's just exactly the same on the outside and they just had planned ahead and that window at the top just doesn't have the antenna behind it, you know, the, the plastic window yeah. at the top edge um, that we see on the 6 Pro. But look, this these two phones are just blowing my mind. And a lot of people are saying, Miriam, $300 difference, though. How can you justify that? I'm like, uh, LTPO is expensive, 4x periscope with the YS is expensive. Ultra wide band is not, but like those two things alone,
1: those those are like, high end. Those are high end phone features. You, you're getting what you pay for. Like I, I don't think that if you get the six Pro, you're, you're feeling ripped off at
0: all. No, and it's a 48 megapixel sensor behind that telephoto. So think about the phones that have that. They're a thousand dollar, thousand euro phones, right? They're like. Galaxy S21 Ultra. And you're going to say you can buy it on sale right now at a good deal, but that's because America and carriers and subsidies and Samsung is heavily, heavily giving people credit on phones. Like the fact that they're letting you return that many phones of different companies up to five devices for the Z Flip and the Z Fold. No company that has doesn't have the kind of budget that Samsung has or Apple has can do that. I don't even think Google can afford to do that. So I think that OnePlus is certainly screwed there. Um, Like that's how Samsung manages to sell you these incredibly powerful phones for so cheap is because they have all these discounts and, you know, all that stuff. So what I'm trying to say is that you have to spend at least $1,000 or 1,000 euros or something to get a phone with those specs. So in a way, yes. If you want to save money, like you know, somebody asked me, tweeted me this morning, and I want to kind of hot take on you right now. Can you give me a hot take on this? Is the Pixel Five A Five G relevant anymore for for hundred fifty dollars less?
1: I think so, and and I'll explain why. There are people for whom even a five hundred even a five hundred six hundred dollar phone is just too much to ask.
0: Like that's exactly just... what I told my friend on Twitter. I was like, dude. Some people, they can't do the stretch. Even 450 is too much for them.
1: No, look, you could tell them it does whatever you want. You could tell them whatever you want. And, that, and that's why I, Apple still sells an old iPhone. Because yeah. there are people that you just can't get at those price points.
0: And honestly, you buy an iPhone, whatever it is, 11 today you're getting a great freaking phone. Like, I'm sorry, I'm still running an iPhone 11. I'm actually going to upgrade to an iPhone 13 by the end of the year. Again, you know, satisfy the business purchases before the end of the year thing. But yeah, I think this time I'm going to go for a 13 Pro actually. there will be good to have in my pocket a 13 Pro and a 6 Pro, right? <laughs> Talk yes. about a killer combo. Yes. Video and photos. So that's actually the thing that I'm going to be curious about in the reviews next week. Hopefully my phone's arriving soon. And I'll be able to give you my thoughts on the podcast next week, folks. But right now, the thing that's got me kind of puzzled is, is video going to be a breakthrough or not? Like, we've seen some really cool shit during that presentation, right? But the question is, is that really going to deliver? Because they've never delivered in the end, right?
1: (laughs) And it's not even one of those where, you know, they deliver the next year. It just feels like it never really lives up to what they showed in the early demos.
0: Indeed. And that's the thing that I'm always a little worried about with them, because I'm like, you guys talk a lot, but uh, Apple's be going to eat your lunch for video no matter what. So, I don't know, I'm I'm hopeful, but uh, I'm not going to run to a Pixel for video. I don't know, it's kind of this weird thing, like, I'm just, I'm conditioned now, Richard, I'm just conditioned, I just pull out an iPhone if you want to do video. It's sad, but... Anything else that stands out for you? Of course, the tensor chip. We—it's interesting that uh, there's not there's no difference in chip here. I thought that might they might do things like remove some GPUs and you know, like Apple's doing with the M1, you know, binning them in a way, right? Yeah. But they're not doing that. It seems they're giving us the same chip on both.
1: Well, they, you know, there's some interesting things there, and I I do wonder what their plans are or how, how they kind of uh, evolved this design, particularly because uh, I'm excited about the Tensor chip, obviously, um, and its capabilities, but it's using some kind of older ARM cores. Like, it's not using right. the, the the completely state-of-the-art ARM cores. And I think perhaps that that may play into its favor when we, when we ask about whether or not they have the design ready for the six to be able to have MMWave without moving things around. If they've been working on this for a while to get it right and they plan it out correctly. And I also feel like after they picked up the, the things that they did from HTC that yeah. we're finally in that zone where it's like, this is, this is a, a, a phone built by people who know how to build it. And and maybe we won't have some of those kind of weird things that we've had about like pixel and Nexus phones in the past. Cause I would love to still be using my Nexus 6P, but like, I think every 6P out there it's boot looped and it won't work anymore.
0: Yeah. I think I have one that still works. <laughs> if you want, I'll send it to you. Um, <laughs> But you know, look, the reality is these phones are just blowing my mind. It's funny that they're blowing my mind yet we knew everything about them. I think it's it's more like the pricing and the fact that, you know, there was a lot of little details we didn't know about. Like, what are they, to me, it was all like, what are they going to cut out from the six? And really, when you look at it, there's two big ticket items here they cut out, but they're not critical, one, and B, they're really expensive. So like, they are really getting the price point right. If you think about the pricing on the Pixel 5 last year, and you look at what the Pixel 6 brings to the table...
1: It's so much more capable, and it's less. It starts lower.
0: Yeah. I didn't honestly expect this. I thought, like, for sure, that we were going to have, like, um, you know, some sort of, like, price... Like, I honestly thought the pricing was going to be insane. Like, I was ready for it. I was like, 800 bucks for the 6... A $1, thousand, twelve hundred for the 6 Plus, bring it. I, I didn't care.
1: And, and I saw the pricing and I almost fell over.
0: I was like, what? So, yeah. I, I think, you know, trying to think what else surprised me. It surprises me that it's a 4X telephoto, but it's a Periscope. Like, that seems interesting to me because I thought for sure that the it would be like, you know, they would still be able to stick it in a normal format. Um, so that actually adds to the price, but I think it's because I know. I think I know why, Richard. With a forty-eight megapixel sensor, you have a bigger sensor, and then your Z-depth becomes a problem, right? Instantly more than it would be with like a twelve megapixel sensor. That makes so sense. So now you really have to fold because there's no way you're going to fit that in that thickness, including that nice and beefy camera bar. Honestly, I love the design on this thing.
1: I, I like the way it looks. I'm, I'm. I. I know. I know. I. I need to have it to know how I love using it, but I I love the way it looks.
0: Yeah, Sorta Sunny is the one I picked from uh, for the Pro, and uh, the, uh, what's it called? The the same as you picked, the... Uh, yeah,
1: Seafoam Green.
0: Seafoam is the one I picked for the 6. So now, whether Google sends me the right colors that I wanted, you know, who knows. But yeah. that's what I requested. Let's see what happens, folks, next week. Stay tuned, yes. But uh, when are you getting yours? Do you have a tracking number yet?
1: Uh... I don't have a tracking number yet. My, I know that some people's dates have moved around. Like, they kind, of, mine, I think it was in the middle of November when I ordered it. Then it suddenly oh, moved up. Wow. And now it's like, okay, October 29th, it'll be here. And oh, good. the last time I checked right before we talked, it hasn't moved from that since. So we'll see.
0: Hey, fingers crossed. Uh, I think this is exciting. You might get it before me, Richard, at this point. So enjoy. Look, I think they nailed it. I think this is everything we wanted Google to always do. And I'm just really hoping... I'm really hoping if you're listening, Google build up on this, iterate on this, iterate on this a few years. Don't come up with some crazy idea l- l- next year, which deviates like you did for all the pixels so far. The only pixels that kind of had lineage, in my opinion, that really fit like the, a line where the two and the three, like th- there was clearly an evolution, but the four broke everything, not because you did anything wrong. The, the ideas were good, but it broke because we didn't get what we needed. Like fingerprint sensing, Since, you know, the the Face ID API was so different, nobody adopted it in the software world. Apple somehow made a transition that was much better there. But because of that, I couldn't really use it. And then the 5 was a good phone, but it was a mid-ranger and slightly overpriced because we were paying for millimeter wave. And you know, the 4A, the 3A, the 5A, they were all brilliant. Like, I reviewed the 5A, Richard, uh, under embargo for hot hardware. And I couldn't figure it out. It was like, you know how you look at a phone on paper and you look at the design, you're like, yeah, it's okay. But then you start using it and it's just magical. It's like using a unicorn. It's incredibly good. Like, you're like, how can it be this good? That's the Pixel 5a for me. Like, I guess maybe because I haven't used a Pixel in a while because I've been so disappointed with them. I finally went back to one and was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, you know?
1: Yeah, and, and that that uh, that kind of, I I don't know how how even to describe it. That kind of lack of of continuous vision, that lack of just growth and evolution and, and steady. Okay, this is what we're doing, and, and we're you saw last year's. You liked it. We're getting better. Yeah. Just just do that. That's all, that's all you have to do. You have you have a a, a really good base here. Stick with it. Go with it. You, you are on the right track.
0: So let's hope we get this you know, we get this continuity next year that they just evolve. It's not going to be as exciting. You might not want to upgrade. And that's okay. Because there are some people who can't upgrade their pixels this year for whatever reason. And they're going to wait for the 7. But if the 7 is completely in left left field, you know, like, it's not going to be good for them. So I'm just hoping we get two or three years of, like, really good iteration. And, and, you know, I, I hope Google can pick up the, you know, the the flag or whatever, you know, the the relay bar from uh, from OnePlus because OnePlus is obviously going mainstream. You know, yeah. basically OnePlus at this point, don't get me wrong, I love their stuff, but I'm using an Oppo Find X3 Pro as my main phone right now. I, I, I get a bit of trouble with the bands in some places, but overall, it's been absolutely fantastic. It's even better than a 9 Pro, folks. It's, it's such a great phone. It's my favorite phone in 2021 until the Pixel 6 Pro came along. And, you know, that's a valid thing. Oppo makes phenomenal phones, but Oppo doesn't exist as a brand in the US and that's why we have OnePlus. So the fact that they're merging more and more doesn't bother me. I'm actually looking forward to see what the OnePlus 10 brings because if it's as good as any Oppo phone I've used, especially the high-end flagships, it's going to be fantastic. But stop pretending that, you know, you're catering to... The early adopter and tech savvy folks, because the nine Pro is the only thing you did this year that was any anything close to that, and the nine was a disappointment. And so, you know, maybe maybe Google is it. Maybe Google is taking the torch. You know, yeah, uh,
1: it's time. It's 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 well past time. Let us let, be frank. It should have it should have happened a while ago. It seemed like they had the capability to do it a while ago. I I think we're finally here. You know, let, let's do it. Uh, Sam- Samsung has their limitations. The other manufacturers, they're just not going to take it to Apple in that way. Google has to do it.
0: 100%. And I think the other thing to keep in mind is, you know, I think Google has always in the past kind of been the reference. And they lost that for a few years, you know? And I feel like this is it. This is like, here is how you make a proper phone. That's it. That's it. That's an Android phone, the way it should be made. And I love that we can, tr- all of us now, the media, you know, when we get a review from Moto or whatever, that is sucky, we can point at this Pixel 6 and go, check this out. This is how you make it right. Like until now, we really didn't have that. Like we could point at the OnePlus 9 Pro, but there was really not that much. You could point out the S21 Ultra, but the S21 Ultra is, is very Samsung in terms of software. It wasn't quite there for me, you know? Yeah, so I'm excited about that,
1: and that—that's that, where it's kind of always always falling short. But yeah, we, we, we finally have the right mix of hardware and software, har- hardware and software going.
0: So, any final thoughts on the Pixel Sixes? Obviously, you went with a six. I'm going with a six Pro. I need a little bit more screen real estate, and I'm a camera horse, so I need the stupid you know four X telephoto. Bah! Surprise. I, I
1: wonder how the how the uh, extra battery will feel. Like I know I know it's got some extra battery, but it's also got some extra RAM to feed with that with that battery. More uh,
0: display, more display, more resolution. More more, more pixels, more pixels to push. So it probably balances out, I think. Yeah. I would be surprised if it does. But, you know, would you, I mean, you're an Android user, of course, you're going to be biased in that sense. But do you think this is, are we in agreement this is probably the most significant phone of 2021? I think so. Like? I think so. Un- unless somebody surprises us at the last minute with something, I, I don't think it's going to happen now. We've gotten everything. Xiaomi did both their flagships, the the 11 and the 11T series. I've got both 11T, the T and the T Pro here. Great phones, but not in the same league. Also much more affordable. Uh, Oppo is not doing another flagship this year. OnePlus is not doing a 9T or anything like that. They're doing a 9RT in India, though. You know how they the R series for India? They did a 9R. Um, so the 9R is weird because the 9R is essentially a reskinned OnePlus 8T. Yeah. So they took the OnePlus 8T and they, they put a Snapdragon 888 in it. They kept the UIs and the 48 megapixel sensor and everything, no wireless charging, the whole thing, same. So now they're doing a 9RT. And from what I'm seeing, you're probably not super well-versed on the Oppo BBK Chinese phone OnePlus thing, but it looks to me... Like, this is almost a copy of this one phone that Realme makes called the Realme GT Masters Explorer Edition. So, you know you know how BBK Group just, they pick and choose out of their bin of parts, kind of like Xiaomi does with Redmi and, and Poco and stuff. And so that's what they did. I think that they're just basically rearranging things, bringing out a Realme, which is a, also another BBK brand, and turning it into a OnePlus. But it's India only. India only right now.
1: And that—that that is, I think, a, uh, a question that they've had. The other thing about OnePlus, I haven't had a OnePlus phone in my hand in, in a while, but maybe, you know, you can let me know. The thing mm. that always bothered me uh, about the OnePlus phones that I had, and that I've seen people complain about even more recently, is the way that they—they they handle memory. You know, kind of having like yeah. multiple apps open, it. and you, the phones—they have so much memory, and they just refuse to use them. It, it feels like.
0: It's better now. It's still a problem. It's still aggressive, but it's better. And more importantly, you can create a whitelist and say, these apps just don't get pulled out of memory.
1: Okay, that that, that feels and better. And that
0: solves a lot of the problem. But honestly, it does make a difference in battery. I can't fault them for that. Like, it was too aggressive back in the day where literally you'd be listening to a podcast and it would die in the background. Uh, no, that's no longer happening. Okay. But. What is happening is sometimes it's a little aggressive still and you have to like say you have a, a wearable that's not a, a one like a BBk group product like say this Samsung Galaxy watch 4 that I have here and you want that to uh, run in the background all the time you might have to whitelist On my oppo I had to whitelist it and say don't don't kill this right. and it's fine like battery life impact wasn't a big deal it's just yeah. it's just being a little aggressive sometimes a um, couple of or three. News items that we should really cover quickly. Samsung had an event. Ah, who knew?
1: <laughs> it felt like they. It felt like they looked up and they thought, "Hey, we. Need, everybody else is having an event this week. We need to do something. What do we have? What do we got? What
0: yeah. Do we so it's funny because you know I did the podcast with John Porter uh, from The Verge last week when I was in Germany. So the time zones lined up nicely. So we did it on Wednesday night European time. And at the time, the only thing that had been announced was Apple and Google, and we didn't even know about the next two things which are Samsung and Sony has something next week as well. So Samsung just out of nowhere announced that they were having an event yesterday and they basically launched a bespoke edition of the Z Flip 3 where basically you can pick and choose your colors for the front and back and the frame, right? So you can have a basically you you can have a custom built Z Flip 3 with a combination of like 49 choices or something that's it right I mean yeah. what else did they announce there's some other stuff
1: well you know I, I did like that because and I and I wish more more uh, manufacturers did I, th- I feel like no one's done it since what they had the moto maker stuff and it oh it, yeah and that always always wasn't that good because it felt like I, I never could get the phone that I wanted in the moto maker when I wanted it but i I'd wanted like I, I loved uh Nike ID and I and I would love that on more phones uh or Maybe the one thing that Google could have done better is to have the color options available on all the phones. Like, if you want the biggest storage, yeah. you can't get all the colors. And, and, like, the Pro has fewer colors. It's just like, why, man? Why? Come on. I
0: think that's also a supply issue thing right now. Like, Perhaps. I'm actually amazed that Samsung has the ability to offer this Z Flip 3 bespoke edition. You are right. I think the Z Flip 3 is is a great phone. I love mine. And I think that color choices are great. So this is a good thing. Did they announce anything else at their event? They had some watch stuff. Uh I don't I don't know what. I think there were like some branded like it was like partnership branding with something. I can't remember what it was.
1: Yeah, they they, they, they talked about the Galaxy Watch 4 software update with you know some different. Yeah, I features. got that
0: on my watch, actually and,
1: last night. You know, that that's that's all nice but it's it's like we, we we didn't need an event this could have just been a press release
0: yeah i mean i think they just did it for you know to kind of like get some attention but like i was when they announced that i was suddenly like oh no we're gonna get a galaxy s21 fan edition next week no no that's still um that's still schrodinger's phone as i've been calling it
1: it's not it's not dead but it is not but, alive. but
0: we have no way of knowing it's in the box <laughs> somewhere And then OPPO, speaking of OPPO, they're working on supposedly their own custom silicon, like their own chips for their own phones, for their flagships. Uh, You know, I'm not surprised. This has been a rumor for a while now, but this is now a little more solid of a rumor. Look, I think that we're moving to a world where ARM is getting diversified, and this is okay. Like, I think that if you have the money, if you're spending... You know, money on a, building a flagship that's going to cost a thousand dollars. You can probably start getting a bespoke processor made for you by Samsung because Samsung's and TSMC are basically much the only two choices you have. And I think the ARM people are very willing to license your, you know, whatever design you want and mix and match from their licensed designs. And I think that's not a bad thing because it lets it it adds a little bit more ability for phone manufacturers to customize their experience especially, you know, with machine learning and, and um, AI being more and more prevalent in the things we do on our phones, right? So, Precisely. I'm not surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if Xiaomi has something in the in the works as well. Obviously, Huawei's had the Karen chips. Samsung's had, has gotten, you know, years and years of their own chips now. And yeah, so Qualcomm, should they work? I don't think so. I, I think that in the same way as Microsoft partnered with Qualcomm, for the Surface X Pro, you know, by kind of modifying one of their processors slightly to to for their needs, I think it was just cache and clock speed or something.
1: I think that they could do this. I feel like Qualcomm, like if they wanted to, could build the Tensor chip exactly.
0: And that's what I think they should. I think that's where they should be headed. They should be actively saying, "Hey, you know, we'll make a B-scope chip for you that's not called a Snapdragon." Um, you know, and and MediaTek should do the same. I think this is the next. This is the next evolution of a of arm and of the mobile industry is bespoke chips that are based on building blocks from you know companies that master that stuff like samsung with exynos and others you know and i I think we're seeing that with uh with apple we're seeing that with google now although apple does everything themselves which is fair um but i I i think the people who are laughing and pointing at at Qualcomm right now, ha you're losing business. No, they're not. Trust me, they are on top of this. They know exactly what they need to do here. And we're going to see more partnerships. Uh, you know, maybe this Oppo thing will be a Qualcomm bespoke chip. Who knows? That's you know? that's, that's
1: what they should do. That's what, what they should do. And I, and I don't think they, they miss a trick or that they've, they've misunderstood where the market is going and, and what's going on. I, I think they will be just fine. You know, they, exactly. there may be a couple, there may be a couple more companies, like you said, that, They go elsewhere to make their custom chips, but they're going to go ahead and and find a place (laughs) to to keep producing the chips that are inside your phone all the time. And I
0: think, honestly, if there's one company that's most likely to get a bespoke chip that's from Qualcomm that's not a Snapdragon, it's Xiaomi. Because Xiaomi has consistently been launching the first on every time a new chip comes out. They were the first with 888 with the Mi 11. They have a custom actually chip right now that nobody else has from welcome, called the Snapdragon 780. The 780 is the same as the 778, but instead of 6 nanometers, it's 5 nanometers. And it's super rare. There's only two or three phones, I think, in the market that have that. They're all Xiaomi or Redmi or Poco. The one that comes to mind is the Mi 11 Lite. The Mi 11 Lite, the 5G version of that phone, has a Snapdragon 780G, which is a 5G chip that is bespoke for that phone, and slightly faster than seven seven eight, and better efficiency simply because it's built on five nanometers instead of six nanometers. I think there might be other differences, but overall, this is this this is as close as you can get to a bespoke chip. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and so and I
1: I think it's 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 close enough to that that you can really see exactly where the room is for them to
0: go in the market. 100%. And you know, when I ping them about this, when I talk to Qualcomm about it and talk to Xiaomi about it, I'm like, tell me about this chip. It's Nobody's talking about it, but it's it, that number is weird. Like we were expecting a 778 and this is a seven is this better? And they're like, well, you know, it's just a one-off kind of thing. We we partnered with them and we did what they needed and like but they were very vague about it. They didn't make it sound like it was just for Xiaomi, but then they in everything they said it sounded like, yeah, this is just for Xiaomi. So now I could be wrong. I have to dig it out. I, sometimes I wish that our good friends over at GSM Arena had that incredible database of specs had a way to sort by processor because I kind of have the vague feeling in the back of my head that maybe by now that chip is gone in something else that's not Xiaomi. But so don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty confident there's no more than three or four phones out there with that chip right now. So, and speaking of events, apparently Sony felt that they were being left out of the party and they weren't able to squeeze themselves in on this week, but they're having an Xperia event on the 26th of October. So that has me really puzzled because. Specifically, Xperia, meaning phone, camera, and, you know, they just launched not too long ago the Xperia 1 Mark Three and the Xperia 5 Mark Three and Xperia 10 Mark Three. The Ten is a mid-ranger, the 5 is a smaller version of the 1, and the 1 is, you know, being reviewed on and off by various people since June because it's taken a while with supply issues to come to the US. They're finally, I think, shipping US versions of that phone if you go to B&H and stuff. Mm. And from all accounts, it was, again, a really great all-rounding phone from Sony. So what could they possibly... Is this the last phone of 2021 that'll make us go, oh, we didn't expect that. And maybe it's, you know, I doubt it's based on Sony's track record That's going to be better than than a Pixel 6. But um, you know how we were talking about what is the next phone that's going to surprise us? Maybe that'll be it. I kind of want it to be. It'd be good.
1: I'm I'm still a believer in Sony's phones for some reason. I, I, too, I have I have this too. just weird attachment. They you know, they they come through with like great cameras and maybe something on the screens that some that nobody else is doing and you just, you you always do wonder, okay, so what are they gonna do next? Or or, or they keep building small phones when nobody else will make I them. know.
0: Although their the five series now is small and so far that it's it's smaller m- than everybody much else. Smaller but than yeah. The, yeah, but it's still not really that small. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I agree with you. I like, I have a very soft spot for the Sony Xperios. They're not bad. Like, that's the thing. They're not great, but then really, I can still recommend them. Like, they're pretty solid. It's just hard to look at the price point, though. It's like, you're paying that premium. It's like Apple. You're paying for a Sony brand, 100%. But there's a lot of redeeming qualities there. So, Richard, we should wrap up. Do you want to tell folks where they can find you on the internet, your various social handles, and of course, you know, pimp whatever websites other than The Verge? (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, you, I, the, the only website where you can you can experience me other than the verge is twitter uh at rjcc <laughs> i'm on there not ranting as much as maybe i used to but but still active still, still uh you know give, giving my opinion on, on various things and, and really just glad glad that you have me on so 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 happy to be here so happy to talk to you again
0: Thank you so much, Richard. Uh, Folks, you know where to find me. I'm at Tank Girl on Twitter and Instagram. That's T-N-K-G-R-L, like the comic book character, but drop the vowels. If you want to discuss this show with me and Richard, hit us up on Twitter. And if you want to see pretty pictures of phones, pretty pictures taken with phones, pretty pictures of cars, go to my Instagram. You know, there's two YouTube channels you should subscribe to. YouTube.com slash Mobile Tech Podcast has unboxings and hands-on videos related to these devices we're talking about. I just got six phones that rolled in the last week. I haven't unboxed them yet. The Honor 50 is a part of that, a bunch of others. So stay tuned. There's some videos coming on YouTube. And then YouTube.com slash Mobile Tech More is a new channel my producer and I have been working on for like all the meta stuff around mobile like uh, travel tech car tech uh, home home automation tech all that stuff so you know subscribe so we can get those thousand subscribers and monetize the channel and stuff there's a, there's some a few things on there already so check it out you know subscribe to the channel like the channels uh, the videos and tell your friends click the notification bell all that good stuff you know how to do YouTube so I don't have to tell you that and then of course the podcast is at mobiletechpodcast.com and on all the major platforms Google podcasts Apple podcasts spotify pocketcasts everything please subscribe and uh if you followed richard here for the first time especially subscribe it'd be great if your app lets you rate or review a show please do it helps with discoverability and then i wanted to say thanks to my patrons i have a patreon if you want to watch this podcast a couple of days in advance like you know, today's Thursday, but tonight I'll have a video version of the podcast, unedited, so just, you know, not polished, but just the beginning to end on video that you can uh, watch and enjoy uh, if you join Patreon so patreon.com tankerl that's patreon.com tnkgrl i have a bunch of tiers there one for the video there's a, a discord channel you can uh, join so you can chat with me if you want and a bunch of good stuff so patreon.com tnkgrl and i want to thank roger f for being our new patron this week thanks roger for joining the party and yeah folks if you can help out i'd appreciate it also if you don't like patreon i get it there is a donate button in the show notes click on it it'll take you to a paypal link and you can make a donation i'd love that it'd be great and of course i want to thank our sponsor ha audible they're awesome audible has been with us forever and we love them because you know if you help them you help us so basically there is a 30-day free trial And you can keep a book at the end if you stay or go or whatever. audibletrial.com slash mobiletech is the URL. That's audibletrial.com slash mobiletech. If you like reading like I do, I love books, but I never have time to read them. So I just listen to them on planes, on road trips, when I'm driving, whatever. And that's a great experience. And that's basically what Audible delivers. So check it out. I think it's great audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. A lot of the books are read by the authors, which I really like. They have some long form, some short form stuff and an incredible selection. So want to help the podcast? Want to get something good out of it? Try Audible at audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. And I want to thank them again for being our longtime sponsor. And Richard, thanks again for being my guest. So great to have you on.
1: Great to be here. Invite me back anytime. I will be here.
0: Awesome. That's good to know. I'll do that. We'll have you on the show again at some point. And then, folks, you know there'll be a podcast next week. Definitely stay tuned because we're going to be getting our hands on that Pixel 6 and 6 Pro and letting you know all about it. Until then, cheers, everybody.
1: This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank
0: Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.